Hey, well, welcome. My name is Jeff Hughes, and I serve as the Connections Pastor, and I uh, just want to take a minute just to tell you about that. Basically, my job and responsibilities here, which I love, are helping people better connect both to their faith and to our church. And so if I can help you do either of those, I would love to do that. So uh, stop by the office. Uh, let's get together. Uh, let's uh, help you connect uh, better to God and to Union Chapel. Well, I'm so excited about this series uh, then sings my soul. I was away for one week in Oklahoma and watched uh, the live stream service there. And it was a phenomenal thing uh, where the presence and the power of God, uh, even through a live stream connection on a phone, uh, watching worship, participating in that, uh, being a part of that service, um, experiencing God was just a phenomenal thing. And I believe that a really powerful thing will happen here this morning that's happened in the last two uh, services as well, that as we dive into these great hymns of the Christian faith, these words, many that were written in the 1800s, that as we unpack these truths, that God will speak to us, that he will uh, penetrate our hearts with his wisdom, with his truth found in these great hymns. Maybe you've heard the phrase, music is good for your soul. How many of you have heard that before? Music is good for your soul. I believe that. I think that music can provide a soundtrack to the really exciting times of life. You know, we just celebrated 4th of July, and that was the time where I was in Oklahoma with my parents. And while we watched the fireworks go off, we had, we had a, a Bluetooth player, and we were streaming some of our favorite songs, you know, that fireworks, when they would go off, and, and all of that, a little bit of Lee Green going on, come on, right? And, and uh, music is a soundtrack to our life, good times and in bad. How many of you have been in a situation where you're having a bad day, you're going through something, and then a song that lifts your spirit comes up? Maybe it's on the radio, maybe you put it in purposefully. Yeah, that's right. I think music is a great way to lift our souls. It's good for the soul. Today we're going to take a look at the history and application of a hymn called It Is Well. It is well with my soul. And before we do that, I'd like to look at the scriptures and see what they have for us this morning. So if you'll make your way to Psalm chapter 34, and then also maybe flip over to chapter 139 as well. We're going to look at a few select verses out of, uh, out of Psalms. So make your way to your feet as you're able. This is Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. And now Psalm 139, we'll look at verse 7 through 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my beds in the depth, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. I want you to find someone nearby. I want you to look them in the eye and I want you to say, the night will shine like the day. The night will shine like the day. Go ahead and do that now. Then make your way to your seats. The night will shine like the day. Well, the song It Is Well was penned by a gentleman by the name of Horatio Spafford. 
And likely you have not heard of Mr. Spafford, but I want to tell you some of his story here this morning. He was born in New York on October the 20th, 1828. He was a prominent lawyer, a wealthy businessman. He was a devout Christian. He was a family man. In 1871, Spafford had invested heavily in the real estate field along Lake Michigan. He lost almost everything in the Great Chicago Fire. Around the same time, Horatio and his wife Anna, they lost their four-year-old son to scarlet fever. So imagine that. He's gone through this turmoil, this trial of losing his business, of losing his properties, and, and then to go through a place where he loses his son. In 1873, the Spaffords needed a bit of reprieve, and so Horatio, Anna, and their four daughters planned this trip to travel to Europe on the SS Ville de Havre. Having some last-minute business to attend to, Horatio decided it would be best for him to stay back for a couple of days and send the family on. You've been this before. You guys go on to Grandma's. I'll meet you there, right? So Spafford sent his wife and his daughter on ahead and planned to follow in just a couple of days. On November the 22nd, 1873, the Ville de Havre sailing off the coast of Newfoundland was struck and sunk by an English ship. It sunk in 12 minutes. After hours of floating in rough seas, his wife Anna was rescued and after making her way to Wales, she penned this brief telegram. We've got a picture of it on the screen for you here. It says, saved alone, what shall I do? Saved alone, what shall I do? Imagine sending this if you were Anna. Imagine receiving this if you're Horatio. You think, what now? Oh my goodness. There were 226 lives that were lost that day in the sinking of the Ville de Havre ship. Annie, age 11. Maggie, age 9. Bessie, age 7. And Tanetta, age 2. All Horatio and Anna Spafford's daughters died in this shipwreck. Receiving the horrifying news, Spafford left immediately to join his wife, he asked the captain on the ship which he was sailing on to let him know when they were over the waters where that ship had gone down. He wanted to be near that area to experience a goodbye for his daughters. He was notified and made his way down into the cabin when they were near those waters. And, and near the scene where his daughters died this tragic death, he penned these words, when peace like a river, attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Wow. If, if you're like me, you wonder how would you get to a place how would you be in a moment right over the place where your daughters had just died? How could you pin those words? How could you say whatever my lot it has taught me to say, he has taught me to say? The truth of how that occurs is very deep. It is very personal, but it's found in the verse that we read from Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, that he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And perhaps right here in this place this morning, that describes you. 
Maybe you're in a marriage that you thought was gonna go the distance, but you see the foundations of it crashing around at your feet and you wonder, what shall I do? Maybe it's the tragic death and a loss of a family member, untimely as it may be, and you think, what shall I do? Or maybe for you it's something entirely different where you're trying to figure out, God, where are you? Where are you in this? I just, I don't understand where you could be present in the midst of this situation. Well, today I want to look at how it can be well with your soul when it's not well with your life. We all have those moments, those challenges, those things that we go through, but how can it be well with my soul when, when my life is crashing down, when wave after wave is hitting me in the same way that we saw in the life of Horatio Spafford, the author of this great hymn? Well, the first thing we need to realize is that God is still present in the midst of our pain, that God is still present in the midst of our pain. Again, Psalm 34, 18, which we will hear referenced many times this morning, that God is close. He's not far away. He's close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Maybe that describes you right now. Can I just challenge you to cling to God, to cling to those words? Listen, God may feel a million miles away in the middle of your pain, but he is closer than your very next breath. Some of you right now, as you take that breath, you think, God, how could you be closer than that? He is. Cling to that. Well, I chose to talk about this hymn, It Is Well, because it's very significant and personal in my life, and I'd like to share a little bit with you this morning about that. Some of you have heard about the trial and challenges that I've been through, but I want to give you a little bit more detail on that and make application to this hymn and what it meant to me as I journeyed through this season. You see, on November the 14th, 2014, I had to undergo an emergency eye surgery. I thought I was going to go see my eye doctor. He was going to give me an eye drop and I was going to be good. But I realized that in the, within the hour, I was going to be laid up and having emergency eye surgery. All unexpected. I mean, who does that? How does that happen? Unfortunately, because of the type of surgery this was, they had to put a gas bubble in my eye. Think of a level, right? You're putting a level on some concrete or you're building a deck, and you want that bubble to be over the right spot. So they put this gas bubble in my eye. It sits along the backside of my eye and holds my, my retina back together, if you will. Well, unfortunately, part of this process is that you have to lay just right so the bubble will be over the right spot. And for me, for my particular surgery that I had, it meant that my left ear had to be parallel with the floor. Go ahead, try that. Yeah, I see some of you trying it all around the room. So I had to do that for 24 hours a day for 14 days straight. It was painful. It, it was not comfortable. The days were long. The nights were longer. And after the first two weeks, I was able to move around and go about an adjusted schedule with just regular resting for a couple of weeks on my eye, right? Stay off my phone, <clears throat> which was a good thing. Not watch too much TV. Just rest my eye. But unfortunately, on the 24th day after this surgery, all of it erupted. And it was all over. My retina had detached again. Gosh, this was a dark time for me. It was challenging. Challenging actually doesn't even begin to get into the, the feelings I had. I felt alone. 
Even though I had great, great people from this church and from my family who were surrounding me, I felt confused because I, I wanted a specific regiment told that I could follow that then I would be better, right? We all want that when we're in a challenge. I was afraid. I was worried. I was even fearful at times. Now listen, though my situation is probably completely different than what you have or are going through, it's likely true that you felt some of those things. You've gone through something where you feel alone, where you feel like, does God really care? Or am I gonna make it through this? You're afraid, you're confused. There's uncertainty all around pressing in in every direction. The waves just continue to crash over you. And so here I am on this 24th day uh, and everything has just all fallen apart with my, my eye. And so I'm confused and I'm worried, I'm fearful. There are all kinds of feelings creeping into my mind. And on December the 22nd, when most men are doing last minute Christmas shopping, right? Come on. I was on a surgery table having another eye surgery. For this, it meant the same thing, laying sideways 24 hours a day to keep that gas bubble just right so I would re receive healing in this. So I spent three days face down right after that surgery on the Christmas of 2014. I was able to have a reprieve and look up from the floor. How many of you know there's not a whole lot of things going on down there? And I was able to look up and, and go back to the position that I hated so, so much, which was again with my left ear parallel with the floor for 24 hours a day again for 14 days. Did I mention that Psalm 34, 18 talks about being brokenhearted, being crushed in spirit? Now, we all have different situations, but for me, this was a brokenhearted time. Though people were supporting me and praying for me and leaning into my life in great ways, and I'm so thankful for that, inside I was just confused because why is this happening? I didn't understand it, but I could cling to verses like Psalm 34, 18 at times where, where those who are crushed in spirit, the Lord will be near to them. To pass the time, I would lay still on a borrowed massage table in my home office, either face down or uh, facing with my ear parallel to the floor, whatever way they told me I had to do that day. And I, I put in my ears, my earphones, connected to my iPhone with the Pandora music app. Now, if you're not familiar with the Pandora music app, what you do is you put in a song that you like, and then it will create other artists, other songs similar to that, and it'll just keep feeding you music that's very similar, uh, one song after another. About every 100, 150 songs, and not that I was counting or anything, they begin to repeat, I will say that. It was in one of these moments that the song, It Is Well With My Soul, began to play in my ears. I wish I could tell you that I did not have a feeling of throwing my iPhone against the wall as hard as I could, ripping those earbuds out and just screaming because that's how I felt in that moment. Because for me, laying there, it was not well with my soul. I was not okay. My situation was, was challenging. And, and, I, and I wanted to just say, no, this is not right. My soul is not okay. I not only couldn't sing that song, but I resisted even believing it in that moment. So I laid there and threw a pity party for myself. And then about 100 to 150 songs later, It Is Well With My Soul came on again. I got the point. 
it was kind of a sick joke that God continued to say, I'm going to allow this song to continue to come in your ears until you believe it. And something amazing happened. I don't know if it was the fifth, sixth, seventh time that the song came on. I don't know. I had all the time in the world. I wasn't going anywhere. But I got to this place where the words to the song weren't just on my lips and they weren't just in my head, but they moved down to my heart. And they moved from my heart deep into my soul. And when the words, it is well with my soul, move into your soul, and when the words from Psalm uh, 34, 18 will actually resonate with you with your spirit and not just with your ears. What will happen is an amazing, amazing thing. And that's my hope and that's my prayer for us this morning, church, is that these words and this idea of it is well with my soul will move from our lips, from our head. They'll move to our heart and deep within to our soul in that sacred space where God wants to speak to us today. Because it can be well with your soul when it's not well with your life. When the waves are crashing over you, when you're being buffeted and moved by the wind and waves, it can be well when we realize that God is still present in the midst of our pain. And the second way we can do this is learn to experience peace in challenging times. This grieving father, Horatio Spofford, reminds us that having peace or being content, even in challenging times, is something that must be learned. It's not natural, is it? To have hardships, to have pain, and be well. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Whatever my lot. In other words, we're not born with this ability to have peace and comfort when we go through hardships and pain, nor do we gravitate instinctively towards this mindset. No. In fact, the caliber of contentment that Horatio Spofford and others in our church who have gone through hardships is something that we have to obtain. It is a virtue that we have to seek because if we're honest, we all tend towards discontent, don't we? Some of us need to grab a pen and paper. We need to write down the things we're thankful for because we find that our natural bent, our natural tendency is to be discontent with life. Well, God, I'm thankful for this. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this. When we do that, we will see that the virtue of learning how to be content will be applied to our life by the great teacher. So if you're finding yourself discontent right now, you're in pain and sorrow and worry, grab a pen, open up a note section on your phone and put down into writing the things you're thankful for. Just let that begin to flow and then read the list. And then when you're finished reading the list, write three more things down. Because God is close to us and our natural tendency is to not have peace in these challenges. It's to have turmoil, to be discontent. I mean, think about it. For us, our natural bent is to think that we need more than we really have. Think about that. It's why PlayStation can release another console every couple of years. Because we're discontent, we'll buy it, right? It's why car companies release the 2019 version before it's even 2019, right? Every single year, because of our discontent, they will feed us with new products and we buy it, don't we? We buy it. It's why iPhone will release not a new update, but a completely new phone every 18 months. 
And so we see John, and John has his iPhone, and it's the iPhone 276,000. And so we see that one, and it's not nearly as good as ours that we just bought 18 months ago. And so we're discontent, and we want a new one, right? So these companies have monopolized on the opportunity because we are discontent. They will sell and sell and sell to us. Corporations literally bank on making a profit out of us being discontent. When God says, learn to find peace, learn to find peace in good times and in bad, but learn to find peace in these challenging moments. So this faith-fueled peace, this whatever comes my way contentment, this soul wellness that Horatio Spafford had in a moment like this, we see that it's a virtue to be learned. And I don't know about you guys, but I wish that I could just plug in a cord to my ear and have that downloaded, right? But that's not how we learn it, is it? You know, learning things, it means there's a teacher. And I think the, the great teacher, of course, is God teaching us things, but it's also the experiences of our life. That whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. Even the Apostle Paul says this in Philippians 4, 11 and 12. He says he needs to be disciplined to experience this kind of peace. It reads this, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content. And then he goes on and says, whatever the circumstance. It goes on and it says, when, I, when my belly's full, when my belly's empty. And he says, in every situation, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. We need to learn to experience peace in the challenges of life. Let's face it, challenging times in our life often bring difficult life lessons, don't they? They bring the critical concepts, the important lessons that we so often need to learn. Think about this for a moment. These painful situations. Think back to the last one that you experienced. Maybe it was this morning. Maybe it's right now. Or maybe it was months or years ago. If you learned something in that, which you likely did, have you applied that to your life for the future? Because what I've, what I've realized, what I've learned, is that these experiences are to teach us and to shape us. Or otherwise, we'll go through the school of hard knocks where we just continue to learn the same lesson over and over and over. It's the same experience that creates the same feeling in us. We get discontent. We don't learn anything. And so we move forward. We're just a year later in life, but we haven't learned from that experience. My hope and prayer is that I'm a different person from this experience of laying sideways for two months, that God would shape me, that God would help me to be different, that he would help me to have uh, abilities to help other people who maybe are down and out or whatever the situation may be. Experience is a great teaching tool. The reality is the more that we go through, the better place we're in to help other people and to be in a place to look back with this 2020 hindsight vision that says that God does, in fact, work in all things. Even in the heartbreaks, even in the pain, even in the challenging times of our life, God does, in fact, as the scripture says, work in all things for those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. He will do good and use our pain to help other people. 
that perspective of experience helps us to see that as God told Jeremiah that he does have a plan for our welfare, he does have a hope, he does have a future for us, and it is a great future. And as we gradually learn this vital lesson, we come to trust God more and deeply believe, as Horatio Spafford did from that cabin, right over the place where his four precious, precious daughters had drowned and perished. We truly do believe that it is well with my soul. And peace like a river can come over us in that moment. Eventually, every single one of us, no matter our age or our situation, we will come into a place where as Psalm 23 describes as the valley of the shadow, Maybe for some of you, you can think back on that. Some of you are in it now, and some of you, it's yet to come. When I talk with folks about the valley of the shadow, it's very interesting because the younger they are, the more likely they are to push back and say, oh, no, I'll never have anything like that in my life. I'll never have a valley of the shadow. Man, life is good. Print that on a T-shirt. Print some. Let's just sell them. Life is good. But the thing is, when I talk with folks who are a little more seasoned in life, and I say the valley of the shadow, they'll go, oh, yeah. Yeah, we remember, remember that, had that valley that year. Remember that season? Remember we went through that? If they're married, they'll look at one another, and, and, and the spouse will say to the other one, yeah, you remember that really, really bad valley? Now, hopefully that's not the year that they got married, but it may be. But the valley of the shadow happens to every single one of us, and there is no way around it. There's no way over it. You got to go through it. You got to go through it. And some of you today are in the valley of the shadow, and what God wants to say to you is, I am present. I'm here. And amidst the pain, the hardship, I am with you. I'm reminded of the little girl who misquoted Psalm 23. And she said it this way. She said, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I need. You know, didn't quite get all the words right. But if you look at Psalm 23, that's a great summary of it. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I need. Our shepherd is all that we need in that moment of pain, in that moment of trial, tribulation, or hardship. And Horatio Spofford understood it. And there are many of you in our church who've gone through hardship and trial. And you understand it as well. As you experience contentment and soul wellness going through these heartbreaks. You learn to do and to face all things. Everything. All things. Through Christ who gives you strength. Well, here's the third way that it can be well with your soul when it's not well with your life, and that's to allow your pain to push you into the presence of Christ. Allow your pain to push you into the presence of Christ. What we need the most in our moment of hardship is not an explanation. We, we, we rarely need an explanation of the situation. What we need is, is an ability to trust. We need the ability to have assurance that God's presence is with us. To know that I'm not alone, that I'm not abandoned, but God's presence is all around me. He's above, he's below me, he is everywhere. As Psalm 139 says, we see these words of hope 
And these words of encouragement. In verse 12, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for darkness is as light to you. There are some in the room right now, and you think that God doesn't understand your darkness, that God doesn't know your pain, that your dark time, that your season, that this dark moment is, is not understood and known by Jesus Christ. But that cannot be further from the truth because it's not a dark time to God. And I want you to hear this closely. God hears your cries in the night. He hears your cries in the night. And he is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. The words of Psalm 139, verse 12, even in the darkness, the dark is not dark to you, but it will be like night. It will shine like the day. They're the words of someone who's hit rock bottom. And you know what you find at rock bottom? You find God. You find God at rock bottom because his presence is all around us, right? And so at rock bottom, what are you going to experience? God is there in that moment. And we need to allow our pain to push us into God's presence. I've got some good news this morning, and I just want to share it. Maybe it's okay. I know, I know the other services really enjoyed this. Maybe you'll enjoy it as well. Here's some good news. Wherever you go, whatever state you're in, God is with you. His presence is there, and it is all around you. He's your companion in the darkest place. He is there in your deepest valley and your brightest day. God is there, and you're never alone. He's with you and he is for you. And today, if we could just grab that, if we could just let that go in our ears, through our head and into our soul, we would leave as changed people. But what happens so often is words like this are left in the seat and we go about our day. And Monday comes, Tuesday comes, the week rolls by. And we wonder why we live in discontent we wonder why we live in situations where our soul is not well. And it's because we've left truth. We've left this wisdom of the gospel here in this place, in this seat, when we get up and when we go out. And so in Jesus' name, can that truth go in your ear, through your heart, and into your soul right now, that you are not alone, that God is with you, that you can find peace in the middle of pain, and there is hope when life seems dark and full of despair. In these moments, you can find hope and strength and allow your pain to push you into God's presence. You heard a bit of my story that there were moments where my pain almost kept me from God's presence. And it took time. It took reminding and it took, it took songs to play in my ears and it took God's presence to speak to me to say, hey, I am here, I am here. But it took a choice for me to move from this place where I feel alone, confused, worried, anxious. It took a choice to move from that place to say, I'm going to let that pain move me into God's presence. And when I move into God's presence, you know what? The pain can still be there because it doesn't go away like that all the time. But God's presence is around me and I'm aware of it. And there's nothing better than being aware of God's love for you and his amazing presence. I love what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, 38 and 39, which by the way, before I read this, can I just give you where this is written from? Most likely this is written from prison while he was facing death. 
I would say that qualifies as pain and hardship, wouldn't you? He says, for I am convinced, not I think I know or I wonder. I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. What I want every ear to hear, and I pray will go deep into our souls this morning, is that God's love for us is extravagant. It is extreme. And there's someone in this place this morning who doubts the fact that God loves them. No, pastor, you don't understand me. You don't know my situation. You don't know what I've said, what I've done, where I am, what I did last night. God knows all of that. And it cannot separate you from his love. So move from that place into a place of receiving the love of Jesus Christ. And in those moments when you struggle to say it is well, allow his holy presence to surround you on all sides, above and below. Oswald Chambers had a great quote that I love when he said this. He said, any great calamity in the natural world, death, disease, bereavement, will awaken a man when nothing else would. And he's never the same again. We would never know the treasures of darkness if we were always in the place of placid security. What does he mean, the treasures of darkness? Isn't that kind of an oxymoron? It's easy to think, well, wait, isn't darkness bad? Well, it can be, but if darkness is pushing you into the presence of the light of God, you have all you need. You see, it's the treasure in the darkness, when you begin to understand that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, that he saves those who are crushed in spirit. One thing I know is darkness and pain, it'll either drive us to the depth of despair, worry, and fear, or it'll push us into the presence of Christ. But the choice is up to you. The choice is up to you. Are you going to drown in the darkness or move into the presence of God? We have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, which will move us from one place to another. You may say, well, why does saying yes to Jesus have anything to do with my pain? Why, does, why and how does Jesus have anything to do with this? Well, Jesus understands darkness and pain like no other person ever could. Because he was the sinless son of God. He was falsely accused, sentenced to be flogged and then crucified. He was stripped of his clothing. He was beaten. He was mocked. A crown of thorns was placed upon his brow. He was made to carry a cross on his own back up to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull, where he would be crucified and lifted up, spikes driven through his hands and his feet. They placed a sign above him, all hail the king of the Jews. They, they were mocking him, spitting on him. People looked on, they said he can save others, but he can't save himself. What is this? Imagine this, the creation mocking the creator. Hmm. Now that's a lot of pain and that's a lot of darkness, but we don't even begin to understand the weight that he was carrying. You see, what I've described so far is just the physical pain of Jesus, but he had the weight of your sins and mine and the sins of all of humanity on his back. We see in Matthew 27, 46, it says, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani, 
which translates, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Maybe you're in a moment right now where you're saying, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Well, you're in good company because those are the words of Jesus from the cross. And just in the same way that God did not neglect him because he was raised again on the third day, God wants to raise us up in the middle of our pain. He wants to bring his peace. He wants to bring his presence in those moments when we say, why is this happening? For some of you right here, these next couple minutes in this service are the reason that you're here at church this morning. In services all this whole weekend, we've seen people uh, be, have their hearts grabbed a hold of in this when we grab a hold of this truth because there are words that Horatio Spofford wrote because of his connection to Jesus and because of his, his need for a Savior that transcend all time. And here they are. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, no, but in whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Those are amazing words, church, because here's the reality. Your sin and mine has to reside somewhere. Get that. It has to either live on your back or on the back of Jesus Christ. And perhaps some of you walked in today feeling a little heavy because you've carried the weight of your sin when Jesus went to the cross to carry the weight of your sin for you. And your season seems a little dark because you're wrestling and dealing with and wallowing in the pain, the frustration, and the sin of life when Jesus died to take that away from you. And just like our pain, all we have to do, just say yes. Move from one place to the other with not only our pain, but with the sins that are in our life. Darkness and pain will either drive us to the depth of despair, worry, or fear, or it will move us into the presence of Christ. In these moments when we say, God, where are you? I don't understand. How can you go on? What do you do? You have to realize that God is still present in the midst of your pain. You have to learn to experience peace in challenging times and allow your pain to push you into the presence of Christ. These are things that we all need in order to say, it is well. Stand up with me. Let's pray. Father, you know our needs today. You are closely connected to the things that mo both make us smile and bring us sorrow and pain in our life. Lord, I ask that the peace of God would flow like a mighty river in and through our lives right now. I pray that we would realize that you are present and aware of our situation, that you are closer than our very next breath. God, for those who are distant from you and they know that right now, I pray that they would just say, God, I want to know you more. Just right there from, from the privacy of where you stand before Jesus Christ, just say, Jesus, I want to know you. And Lord, hear our prayers to know you more. For those hurting who are in darkness right now, bring them comfort and care. Jesus, we want a touch of your presence today. 
Help us to say and to believe in our heart and in our soul that it is well. Be near to us in Jesus' name.